Hi, I'm Susan Foch, and when I was 18 years old, I launched a national nonprofit organization out of my freshman college dorm room. Now, with almost a decade of experience under my belt, I'm here to teach you my tried and true tips and tricks for running your own nonprofit or social enterprise and how to build it from the ground up. You're listening to this podcast because you're ready to make a difference in this world. I see you, I hear you, and I'm ready to help you. Now let's make an impact together. You're listening to the Make an Impact podcast, episode 11. One of my favorite brands out there that you'll see me wearing all the time is Kendra Scott Jewelry. Now here's the thing. I love the look and style of and the pure beauty of this jewelry, but I also love what it represents. I don't know if anyone else does this, but I am so much more deeply and emotionally connected to a brand when it has a heart, and I've gotten to experience that firsthand with Kendra Scott. The Madison store located in Hilldale not only has been an incredible sponsor of Operation Not Alone, but I first got to work with them as a board member for the Miss Madison Scholarship Organization, which is a local of the Miss America organization. And now I really go out of my way to support, love, promote, and wear them because my heart is attached to this brand, which is exactly why social entrepreneurship has been so successful. Business with a heart will always win. I've also been obsessed with the story of Kendra Scott herself because she grew up in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and you know how much we love a Wisconsin girl around here. Now the business operates out of Austin, Texas, but and the business is now worth more than $1 billion. And yes, I said billion with a B. And Kendra Scott, the woman, has been named on the Forbes list of America's richest self-made women. What's better about all of that is that it is a social enterprise rooted in the core values of fashion, family, and philanthropy. It is a huge brand that gives back to other causes. Their motto is when someone comes asking for a donation, usually to say yes because they want to care about what you care about. And this is how I got to meet today's guest almost two years ago. Megan Noble is the philanthropic manager for the Midwest for Kendra Scott, and she is just a gem and a half of a human being. I was so excited when she wanted to be a guest on this podcast, even with her busy schedule as a new mama, to talk about the transition that they've made into the virtual fundraising space. Now, this episode is coming out on Labor Day, which means that we are so close to the beginning of Q4, which is huge for nonprofits. Most nonprofits will raise 40% of their revenue during this time, with the last day of the year being big. (laughs) So if you're planning virtually for Q4, make sure that you are taking notes on today's episode. So without further ado, Megan, can you please introduce yourself, give us a little background, and basically your philanthropy roadmap to where you are today? So I'm Megan Noble, and I'm the marketing and philanthropic manager for Kendra Scott in the Midwest. Um, the majority of my career has been in the nonprofit sphere. I have my MPA from the Truman School of Public Affairs uh, at the University of Missouri. And uh, while I was in grad school, started a small nonprofit. It was a civic leadership camp for youth um, that taught them to get engaged in their community. So grassroots from the ground up, three people, we did everything. So have that really small nonprofit experience and then uh, moved into major gift work at my alma mater at the University of Missouri. And so I did major gifts for the university for about three years. And I've been doing this work in our philanthropic pillar uh, for Kendra Scott for almost four. 
Okay. And I have to admit, so number one, the first time I reached out to you to talk about our Miss Madison partnership, I found you on LinkedIn and I was going through your resume and I was like, I think I want to be like best friends with this woman. (laughs) Just like looking at all the things you had done. But then I learned that there was such a thing as like a philanthropic manager for Kendra Scott. And I've been low-key obsessed with that job and sometimes (laughs) stock the Kendra Scott website for it. So how did you get into that role? Because that seems like such a dream job to have with Kendra Scott. Absolutely. And, you know, it was kind of a dream for me once upon a time as well. I knew of the brand. I knew a little bit about Kendra's story. Um, You know, she grew up in Wisconsin, started this business in her spare bedroom with $500, but from day one has been committed to giving back. So every single Kendra Scott store across the country has a commitment to give back to their local community. And then we have people in different philanthropic roles and based throughout the, the country as well. So to be honest, um, I was online shopping on a Friday afternoon <laughs> in, in my office four years ago. And I, like I said, I knew the jewelry. I knew a little bit about the philanthropy and I just decided to click on careers and my local Kendra Scott store. I was living in St. Louis at the time, um, was hiring a part-time sales associate and I, on a whim, applied for a part-time sales job. And so just thought it would be something fun I could do on the nights and weekends and, you know, outside of my full-time job as a fundraiser and get some jewelry, you know, along the way. And I joked when I started there that if Kendra ever wanted to, you know, open a location in her home state of Wisconsin, I would love to do, you know, our community relations, our philanthropy there. Mm -hmm. And it was about three weeks after I started in St. Louis that we announced our first Wisconsin location at the corners of Brookfield. And so I was long distance with my now husband. Um, And so moved, moved up to Wisconsin. I knew all of two people uh, that made getting to know the philanthropic community here, my job. So opened our, our first location in Brookfield and then our Madison location, and now uh, I'm working, managing um, all of our stores philanthropically and with marketing uh, in Michigan, Wisconsin, and um, Chicagoland. Oh my gosh. So you actually had no connection to Wisconsin. You just wanted to help her go back to her home state. That's kind of crazy, but kind of awesome. I had no idea about that. I, I, like I said, I knew, I knew two people, (laughs) Um, you know, my, my husband had been here for a job, so I'd been to Madison to visit a few times, but particularly in Milwaukee, had very few connections. And I think one of the cool things about you know our philanthropic community is that people have been so willing to make connections and open doors, and that's really helped you know our company be able to give back to Kendra's home state in a big way, which was something that was really important to me. Yeah, that's awesome. We love that Kendra is a born Wisconsinite. So. <laughs> I do too. I think, you know, she's a Midwest woman and I love it. Well, and I think a lot of like the foundations of the company being fashion, family, and philanthropy, I feel like are so Midwest (laughs) when you look at those. So it, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, So as the philanthropic manager for such a major like fashion and jewelry brand, you know, you have to find different organizations to partner with, um, have your give back events. What are you looking for when you're deciding um, how to partner with an organization or whether they're a good fit for Kendra Scott or not? How do you kind of go about that decision making process? I think one of the really cool things about our company and something I haven't 
um, you know, always experienced in, in different spheres, whether I'm the one, you know, asking for donations or, you know, the one giving them is that we really have the autonomy to be flexible to our community. So we say what matters to you matters to us. And we really are able to help from, you know, local family in need to national nonprofit, you know, everyone knows the name. And so it really takes knowing your community and knowing what's important and, you know, what's going to be important to, to our customer family as well. Um, for us, I think, you know, we, we look to kind of, you know, run the gamut, like I said, from large to, to small organizations. Um, but, you know, we're primarily centered around women's and children's causes, um, around, you know, empowerment, education, literacy, wellness. Um, but like I said, I think that the neat thing is when something happens. So for example, um, you know, when we were opening in Madison, there had been an explosion in nearby, nearby Sun Prairie mm-hmm. and a fire and um, a local firefighter had lost his life. And we were able to support the fundraising efforts for that family and give back. And that's something that we're able to do in our communities across the country um, is, is really be flexible to the needs of our community. And so when we're looking for partners, we're, we're looking for what matters in the community and, and how we're able to support. Oh, I love that. Um, so do you have any like nonprofit like turnoffs that someone can do or say that could kind of shy you away from like, mm, maybe like, I, I don't necessarily want to partner with them. Like I, I know of a few examples with just other organizations of people being like really abrasive with their ask of just like, well, of course you should give this to me. Like, you know, like, the, or like, yeah. this is what I'm asking for. Like, just kind of give it instead of like a nice phrase when asked. So do you have any like turnoffs that, that can make sense? You can, I'm going to screw that up. Is there anything someone can do to make you not want to partner with them? Well, I think the bigger thing for us, and it's, and it's funny coming from a fundraising background, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I said, from day one in the spare bedroom, Kendra's policy has been that we always have something to give, mm-hmm. um, particularly like if you need a donation for an auction or, you know, you want a partner for, you know, a larger partnership or a larger event. Um, and I've found that people are almost shocked that my answer is yes. And so, yeah, absolutely. We can, we can support your auction. We'd be happy to do that. Um, I think the bigger thing that we really look for and every company is going to be different. You know, a lot of companies of course have their, you know, community relations or their philanthropic arm and everyone's going to be different. But for us, I think we really look for someone who truly wants to be our partner. You know, I always say, I don't, I don't want to be the organization or the company that you come to for an auction donation and we don't see you for a year. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't want to be one and done. I want us to work together and I want to understand the work that you're doing and share what we have going on and, and come up with a partnership that works throughout the year. And so I think that's the bigger thing that I really look for in terms of um, continuing those larger partnerships or organizations that are you know open to new ideas and open to trying new things. I think now, especially that's mm-hmm. super important. Um, but I, I think that that idea of okay, let's work together and look at, you know, the bigger picture, not just a one-time thing. Yeah. I love, I love that. And I think it's so important. There are a lot of people, I think, especially if you're hosting uh, like a big event and you're trying to get a bunch of silent auction items, it's easy to kind of get overwhelmed and you're like, okay, I've got this, this, and this, and this. And then you forget about all the people who kind of like gave to you. And I think that that follow-up piece is so important. And yeah, just touching in throughout the year and still, cultivating that relationship. So important. So I love that you said that. 
Mm-hmm. So back to the days of in-person events. <laughs> that we haven't Those had were fun. So long. Yeah. I was going to say, right. you've hosted some really beautiful events. Like I, I, I went to one uh, that I was able to in Madison, and then I just saw pictures of other events that you did, and they are just like gorgeous. So what are keys that people can hold on to w- when hosting a really successful fundraising event? Sure. I think you know, we are, we both host events in our store. Again, mm-hmm. looks a little different these days. You yeah. know, our company gives back events where we're doing 20% of our sales donated to your cause. And then we're part of a lot of nonprofits, big fundraisers. So, you know, their galas, their luncheons. So we've, we've had the opportunity to go to a lot of different events. And I think for me, it comes down to knowing your people and knowing your purpose. Mm-hmm. So, knowing your purpose of the event, whether it's an event you're hosting with us in, in one of our stores, or it's an event you're hosting on your own, uh, is the goal to raise a ton of money? Is the goal to recruit new supporters to your organization? Is it to educate, um, but really fine tuning what that purpose is. Mm -hmm. And I think that helps then with your messaging. And then I think knowing your people. Um, So that comes down to even knowing our people are more likely to show up on a Thursday night than they are on a Saturday morning. Mm. Um, but knowing who your supporters are and, you know, having relationships with them to the point where you're able to ask, Hey, we want to do this fundraiser with Kendra Scott. You know, what, what time do you think would be best or what things do you think would get people excited? Uh, And that's, I think the most successful fundraisers that I see really have a foundation in their, in their purpose and their people. Okay. Yeah. I love it. So, and also that you've hosted so many events, do you have any like pet <laughs> peeves when you go to another event, just as like a, a supporter page, like not as a Kendra Scott person. Um, I'm not asking yeah. that in a, in a down talking a different organization. Yeah. Way. I just mean like, for example, I'm super burned out every time I see a 50, 50 raffle ticket at this point. Um, so do you have anything like that, that you kind of think is like a passe thing we shouldn't do anymore at events? For me, it comes, it comes back to the people and the purpose. So there are some things like the 50, 50 raffle or like giant silent auctions with, Mm. you know, a million items that might be overwhelming. But if you know that you have donors there who need maybe like a lower price point, like a lower barrier to entry, Mm -hmm. maybe that makes sense for you. Um, But I think when you have events that are trying to do all of the things at once, that gets to be a little bit overwhelming for your guests. So, you know, trying to understand, okay, do we need to focus on maybe like a higher price point live auction or should the focus be on something that's a very easy, you know, come and sign your name on the sheet just based on, you know, who's coming. Um, Because I think, I think the thing that overwhelms me is when there's just like a lot of things going on and it's hard to, kind of sift through and and know the best way to to make an impact and to give back to the organization. Right. So kind of do, you'd rather see a fundraiser do like one thing really well than like 20 things kind of subpar that don't make sense together. And coming from the nonprofit world, I know how much work all of those things are. So I think, you know, for, for you and your volunteers and your team to work smarter, not harder, and, you know, really dial into um, what people are looking for. And that's going to look different at every single event. Like I said, there's going to be some where 
Um, and, you know, even things that we as a company do somewhere that they're very successful and it fits that event and other events where it's maybe not a fit. So I think just having that understanding is really helpful in terms of planning your event for, for your crowd. Gotcha. Running a business, working your nonprofit, or just simply making an impact takes a lot of energy, which means you need the drink of champions, coffee. Specifically, you need Door County Coffee, a gourmet coffee roastery on a mission to bring you the best coffee on the planet. And that isn't hard when they only roast the top 2% of Arabica beans grown in the entire world. Try any of their medium or dark roasts, like my personal favorite, the Heroes Blend. Or you can try one of their almost 100 delicious flavors like Highlander Grog, Frosted Cinnamon Buns, or Vanilla Creme Brulee. They ship all across the country, so try your first pot today by going to DoorCountyCoffee.com and using the code IMPACT for 15% off your order. That's I-M-P-A-C-T for 15% off at DoorCountyCoffee.com. And get caffeinated today. So transitioning, uh, because we're now in our new world of virtual events. Yes. Thank you, COVID. Um, Can you tell us a little bit how Kendra Scott adapted into the virtual fundraising space? Absolutely. So as I mentioned, we regularly hosted Kendra Gives Back events where we're partnering with an organization, um, typically hosting them in our store and providing an experience for their supporters and donating 20% of our sales from that event to the organization. Uh, with you know our stores being closed temporarily, now being opened, um, many of them in a very limited capacity, we really had to think about, okay, how are we going to continue to support our philanthropic pillar? It is you know, integral to who we are as a brand. It's, you know, very important to Kendra herself and everyone who works for her. So what are we going to do? And we were able to really quickly pivot that Kendra gives back experience to a virtual event Mm -hmm. where we're able to supply your supporters with a web code uh, that's unique to your organization and is live on our website for 48 hours. And 20% of the sales from the use of that web code will go back to your organization. Uh, With the reopening of our stores, we can also offer a dual experience. So if people are comfortable coming and shopping in store, you know, we're taking every precaution to keep people safe. We can offer that. We can offer curbside pickup. There's a lot of things we can do to kind of meet your supporters where they're most comfortable. Um, But I think since we've launched those, we've been able to give back more than $200,000 to causes across the country. Um, And, and that's been something that we are immensely proud of and want to continue growing. We know there are so many nonprofits looking for ways to get creative and do things differently. I know we've had so many in-person fundraisers canceled or postponed, Um, And so we really want to be able to offer this experience that looks a little bit different, but is going to be fun and hopefully bring your supporters joy. I think Mm -hmm. that's the other thing that we try to focus on is that, um, you know, a little yellow box can bring a lot of happiness to people. And that's, that's something that we all need these days too. Yeah. Oh, I love my little yellow boxes. <laughs> yes. I, we, I, have <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, cause Operation Alone did a dual event over the 4th of July and that was so successful. I thought it was really cool because we had originally, well, you and I talked about an in-person event like a long time ago mm-hmm. before this. Yeah. 
And then when it did, we were right in that cusp of like, can we go back to something in store? Do we stay virtual? But so when uh, the store manager, Kelly, came back to us with doing the dual experience, we were so excited. So I had a blast getting to pop down to the store, but then also like share that code with our supporters that are across the country because we are a national organization. So it was fun for us to have a little in-store piece and get to talk to people and do both. So that was such a cool experience just for us, even as a fundraising opportunity. And it was 4th of July, so it fit really well with like our whole military theme. So everything with that worked Mm -hmm. really well. So that was, that was beautiful. Um, when doing virtual events, because I know you guys also have something else, uh, like the virtual styling parties. Am I right yes. with that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are some yes. do's mm-hmm. and don'ts that organizations should keep in mind when trying to host a new virtual fundraising experience? So I think there's a couple of different things we've seen people try that have been really successful. So I think particularly when you're thinking about virtual fundraising is, okay, how can we add value. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are our people needing right now? So for example, um, we're hosting an event next week that will give back to first book. So supporting literacy, helping kids who wouldn't have access to books otherwise. Um, and we're working with a local educator to host an Instagram live where we're talking about e-learning and what do you need to know as a parent, um, as a mom to you know, be successful? How can you help get your kids engaged in books? And so you know, that's tied into the cause and we're able to talk about you know, some of our um, philanthropic commitments to literacy as a company. And you know, my idea that when you put on a pair of hoop earrings, you just feel a little bit more powerful and <laughs> might help you to tackle homeschooling a little, a little easier. So that was an idea that just came about in talking about, okay, what are supporters of this organization? What do they need? What are they looking for? They obviously have a commitment to literacy. So I think, you know, kind of thinking about what's going to be that value added. It might be like an at-home wine tasting. Could, could we partner with a local winery and have, you know, a tasting box for pickup and then we could mm-hmm. do a wine tasting event that people could sign up for as part of it. Um, it might be, like you said, we have virtual styling options. So a big, a big thing that we're doing with a lot of our virtual events right now is hosting a styling session that people can either sign up for or it's live through the nonprofits page. And we can talk about some of the trends, some different things that we're seeing, how to personalize your jewelry, you know, to your own style and maybe how to personalize your jewelry to your work from home style, Mm -hmm. because how we're dressing and, and what we're wearing might look different these days. So being able to tie in that fashion component, I think when the supporters call for it and it's something they're going to be excited about. Um, So I think really thinking through what are people going to want to take the time to either watch or engage with. Um, And it can be really simple. One of the things I saw you all do after your event that I thought was amazing was, you know, tag us in your purchases, take a picture uh, of what you got from our fundraiser and tag us, tag us when you're wearing it or, you know, tag a picture of the box. And I thought that was such a smart way to continue the engagement and, and again, have the event, Um, be more than just a one-time thing, but it's something that people are excited about. And, you know, when they wear their jewelry, they can say, oh, I supported Operation Not Alone. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you about this organization. So I think, you know, there's a lot of different creative things we can try in this virtual space um, that maybe we wouldn't have been able to try 
earlier or we were able to connect people in different places geographically that we wouldn't have been able to reach either. Yeah. So on that note, my obsession with Kendra Scott, both as like a human (laughs) and a brand is a little obsessive. So I know that she launched Kendra Scott like right before, right in the 2009 recession. So this is not her first like go around with crisis pivoting. So was transitioning into this virtual space, was that from a business perspective, was it kind of like, what do we do? Or was it, you know, here's our new life, like full steam ahead. Let's figure out these new options. Mm -hmm. Like you said, Kendra is not a a stranger to uh, hard times or even Mm -hmm. to failure. Actually, her her first business uh, was a hat store that ultimately did not succeed. So she's closed a business before. She she knows what that's like. Um, and uh, this company, our in-store experience was born out of the recession. Mm-hmm. And so, and it, it completely revolutionized uh, the business and, and the company. So I think one of the things I love about working at Kendra Scott is that we are a much bigger brand than we were when Kendra started in her, her spare bedroom. Yeah. Um, but I think that the flexibility and the adaptability uh, that comes from being a small company, we still feel. And I, I do think it was, okay, this is important to us. We have to continue doing it. How are we going to do it? Great. Let's go. And it's been just, you know, remarkable to see all the facets of our company be able to adapt from, you know, really quickly creating a virtual try on feature Mm -hmm. on our website and, you know, having this virtual Kendra Gives Back experience, um, it's just been awesome to see everyone come together and figure out how we can still continue to support our communities and give back in a meaningful way. Yeah, I love it. Um, so do you think, which one have you seen be a little bit more challenging, like getting community buy-in around showing up to an in-person event when it's only a few hours or around these virtual events kind of in this pandemic space and a lot of people are like laid off or have lost mm-hmm. their jobs? Like what, where is community buy-in harder to create? Gosh, it's kind of, I think it's twofold, mm-hmm. right? I think the virtual, to your point, creates a less barrier in terms of where people are. Um, it also isn't something that you have to like necessarily be at a place at a certain time. You know, you can go online, you can shop, you can tune into the things on social media. Um, but it's, you know, it makes it a little bit easier for people to, to get engaged. So I think that's a positive, um, but I think there is still that hunger for community and being together. So I I think that being able to kind of offer that hybrid experience lets people, like I said, kind of choose to their comfort level um, in these times, what works best for them. Um, But I think in both virtual and in person, it really takes that individual outreach, Um, being able to, you know, choose your champions among your supporters who are going to activate their network to get people excited to attend the event virtually or attend the event in person. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's, I think the biggest key to success I see with organizations is being able to reach out individually or have their, you know, five, five board members who are going to be the most excited about this event, reach out to all their people. Mm -hmm. And so um, now they can reach out to all their people everywhere, (laughs) which is awesome. Um, But, you know, it's, it's still kind of, 
both have challenges and benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just thinking about, um, you know, who, who your people are going to be that are going to be excited to do something in person or online. Yeah. So on that note, do you think that, you know, in our, in our post pandemic life that we will ever get rid of virtual events or will this always now be a part of, I guess that like new normal, like, will this keep skyrocketing? I hope that there are some things that we do carry, um, from, from the virtual events or virtual times. Um, because I, you know, I think about even in-person fundraisers who, you know, they would put their auction online and that allows you to engage a different group of people. So I think there are things we can take from this experience moving forward. Um, I hope that we have in-person events again. I think, you know, community is really important and coming together in, in the you know name of a cause that you're really passionate about is so important. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think having some virtual aspects and I think just, you know, creating more, more access uh, mm-hmm. is so important. And so I hope that there are some, some pieces of our, our virtual world that we continue to have. Yeah, absolutely. So I like wrapping up every interview um, by asking people this question. And I know that you've had a lot of like nonprofit work and now you are a philanthropy manager for Kendra Scott, but what is your favorite way to be making an impact in your everyday life? Mm-hmm. I have a, a quote uh, that I, I keep, you know, in my workspace um, and it's from uh, the documentary Half the Sky. I've worked with an organization called Circle of Sisterhood for very many years um, about helping create opportunities for women for education worldwide. And the quote uh, says that sometimes the problem feels so big that, you know, helping one person doesn't feel like enough, but it is. Mm. And so that's how I try to approach my work with Kendra Scott. So, you know, today we might not be having a huge fundraiser that's raising a thousand dollars for an organization, but is there a way I can bring someone joy? Is there a way that I can even just, you know, give a smile. So maybe that's sending a piece of jewelry to a woman battling breast cancer or, you know, connecting with our local children's hospital and talking about, okay, how can we virtually connect with your kiddos? Uh, in, you know, a way that is safe, uh, mm-hmm. but continues the partnership that we've had. So, you know, I think sometimes the work can feel overwhelming. And I think, you know, even in my role, there's so many organizations to help and support, you know, so many people that are doing amazing work that sometimes it can kind of feel like, oh my gosh, there's so much that we need to do, but really bringing it back to making a difference for one person makes a difference. And so trying to, you know, find my moment of every day where I can bring a smile, help something along, or, you know, make, make a huge impact, uh, depending on the day. Oh, I love it. So where can people find you, follow you, reach out to you if they want to set up a Kendra Scott fundraiser with you? Um, yeah. How can people connect with you on this? Absolutely. They can visit our website. So kendrascott.com slash philanthropy is a great place to start. That's going to have information about our product donation, our Kendra Gives Back events, um, wherever you are in the country. So that will be an easy way to connect you to uh, your marketing and philanthropic manager or your local store or the store that's nearest to you. Of course, you can find us on social media at Kendra Scott. Um, Me personally, if you're in the Midwest and you're listening, um, my 
you know, email is a great way. Megan.noble at KendraScott.com mm-hmm. uh, is an awesome way for us to connect and, and hopefully give back to a cause that's important to you. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for wanting to come on the podcast and give all of these like fundraising like nuggets. Um, I think this was super helpful. I think it'll be really great for people to learn from. So thank you for taking the time. I know you're a new mom, got a lot of stuff going on. So thank you for taking the <laughs> yes. time. Yes. If we had babies crying in the background, I do apologize. <laughs> it's, no it's, worries. Uh, that's part of life these days, right? <laughs> right. It's our pandemic world. It's all good. Yes. All right. Well, thank yes. you so much, Megan. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Make an Impact Podcast. If you enjoyed yourself, would you do a little rate, review, subscribe dance? And if you really enjoyed yourself, would you share this on social media so someone else could catch the impact bug? Until next time, friend, I can't wait to see what kind of impact you make on your world.